Today's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me, please. Join the Record of the Month Club at www.joinvmp.com forward slash holybackboard. You are listening to the Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net Networks. For more on your trailblazers, go to iTunes, search the Holy Backboard, and subscribe today. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 143rd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling here in uh, Beaverton, Oregon. And uh, man, there's been a lot of things happening in Rip City. I thought it was going to be, you know, a boring week, and it ended up being probably one of the most like nervous feelings for people, for Blazer fans right now, man. It, at least we got the news, but there's a lot to cover in this week, and I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the big news: CJ McCollum goes up for a layup, Yaka Pertle comes over to block the shot, kind of gets tangled up. CJ clutches the shin, the knee. We're not really sure what happens. The X-rays were negative. He had the MRI this afternoon. Uh, it appears he has a uh, Apopliteus, excuse me if that is mispronounced. Uh, I've never heard of that in my entire life until this afternoon. Strain in his left knee. They're going to re-examine him in a week. So pretty good news if you're a, a Blazer fan. There, there's not a key. It's not a season ender. Um, it's not a next season ender. Uh, but this is the same injury that did cause Kevin Garnett to miss the entire 2009 playoffs with with the Boston Celtics. So. It's going to be key for the Blazers to really take this with caution. And this has been a franchise that I think has not done that. And I don't mean to cast any stones, but when you look back in history, you look at Brandon Roy in 2010 playing off of a torn meniscus, having surgery just eight days later. You look at Mo Harkless last postseason coming back a little bit too soon. And I think the Blazers, obviously, there have been two different uh, medical staffs in, in, during those those 10 years. However, it's always been a player first franchise and the players always going to want to play. Yeah, they're competitive. It needs to be 125 percent certain that CJ is ready to go because with any type of injury, if you don't wait until you're fully healed, the chances of it occurring again go through the roof. And the last thing Portland wants is their second or third best player to then be sidelined the entire summer or even into the 2019-2020 season. Or even worse, it becomes a chronic lingering issue. They really need to look at this with a long-term lens. And I know Jason Quick mentioned a while ago that this season, you know, CJ's tenure as a Blazer could hinge on the playoff performance. Terry Stotts' job is up in the air, as is Neil Olshay. So there is a lot riding on this postseason. But it is important to not succumb to short-term needs and goals. Mm -hmm. Always keep the long-term vision foremost. Let's talk the now. I honestly think we, if it's a short-term injury, I think we can sustain 
CJ's absence. What I don't think we can sustain is a playoff series without CJ McCollum. But I think Rodney Hood and Seth Curry could take over that starting shoot, shooting guard spot. And then it gives one of our, a chance for one of the young guns to get, you know, Seth Curry minutes. If you look at it right now, the Blazers are 42 and 27. They are still in fourth in the Western Conference, a game and a half behind Houston for third, uh, a half game ahead of OKC for fifth. We look at the upcoming schedule, 14 games remaining for the Trailblazers, seven at home, seven on the road. You look at the near immediate future, the games that CJ McCollum will absolutely miss. They're three of a four game homestand. You have Indiana, Dallas, and Detroit. Yes, Indiana has been battling like hell. But the bottom line is Victor Oladipo was out. That is a winnable game. Dallas, same way. They're fading. Detroit, they're an Eastern Conference team. The Blazers have absolutely handled Eastern Conference teams. These games are all at home. They should not be dropped with or without C.J. McCollum. We go even a little bit further. The Blazers do not have more than one game against a 500 opponent until April 5th when they face the Denver Nuggets. So mm-hmm. after they play the Pacers, we're looking at a span of seven games, sub-500 opponents. That is perfect opportunity for the Blazers to start streaking, mm-hmm. shorten up the rotation a bit. I know you mentioned maybe some of the rooks get the minutes. I would actually like to see the rotation shorten, and I think that's going to – help the Rodney Hoods and the Seth Currys of the world because they know they're going to get playing time. They know they're going to start or they know they're going to get six-man type of minutes. The rotation's going to shorten up and the guys are going to, I I feel, come come together because we've seen this in the past when when Dame missed those seven games a couple years ago and CJ really stepped up. Guys, they just knew going into the game their role was going to be inherently bigger. So you that means Mo Harkless, you need to be more aggressive. Aminu, you got to hit your threes when you're open. I look for the Blazers to do a heavy dose of Dame and Nurkic, pick yep. and roll. Those two guys are going to be the breadwinners for the Blazers. And don't sleep on Rodney Hood. When he was a starter in Utah, he's a bona fide 17-point-per-game scorer. He can get buckets. He's already won us one game in Charlotte, and he had a really nice uh, road trip. So let's 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 kind of pump the brakes a bit. Obviously, we won't know in a week what the severity is, but I would say there's a decent chance CJ McCollum returns for the postseason. That's just a gut instinct. Uh, I don't know any more than the next fan, mm. but I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. I think the Blazers, given their schedule and given their roster makeup, they should be able to hang on to home court advantage if you ask me. But they probably will not be favored and would be an even longer long shot to win an actual series. So I yeah, agree. Th- I mean, once the playoffs happen, everything throw- goes out the window. I think Rodney Hood and Seth could do the job. It's just, man, when it comes to playoffs, you need those top three. You need your top three to be show, be stars. And if we're blues, missing out on arguably our second, probably our third best player, it's going to be rough for us to you know succeed in the playoffs. And that's really what the goal is. I mean, making the playoffs is fun, but it's about going in 
getting, you know, competing and getting to that second round and the third round. So, you know, there's a very good chance that we're going to be on the podcast talking about how it was a great season that, you know, injuries derailed us in the, the last part. Well, if we look at the guys who we're really going to need to be counting on from that wing position, we're looking at Hood, we're looking at Curry, we're looking at Lehman. What do all three of those players have in common? They're free agents or could be free agents this summer. It is in their best interest, not only as team first players, but contractually oh, next absolutely. season to secure the bag and put up numbers because NBA GMs and owners have a recency bias. Mm-hmm. You kill it for these last four weeks and into the postseason, you are going to get paid. Bismack Biombo got a max contract off of three playoff games, basically. The the time the time is now, and I think we will see what we have in those three players. Is Jake Lehman uh, a nice surprise story, or is he a legit bonafide you know starting small forward for us in the future? We will find out. Is Seth Curry going to be that sharpshooter consistently and be more aggressive? We'll find out. Is Rodney Hood the Rodney Hood of Utah? Again, we're going to find out. So that's the beauty in all of this is that we don't have to wait very long. The results are going to come in and they'll be immediate. Mm. Is there any worry that any of those guys that are potential free agents play so well that we can't afford them? Or is it? I think that that is the dream scenario, Sage. You want that to happen. You don't want them to suck because if, if, if they fail to meet their own expectations and if they fail to lift this team up, I'm not sure you really want those guys outside of Jake due to his age. Mm. I don't necessarily think you're going to be knocking down their door at 12.01 on July 1st to, to bring them back. Like you, it, It's almost like when you have too much talent, you want to have that problem. Mm. I would rather sort that out than not have enough. True. I, what percentage of CJ McCollum's production, we're not talking anything else but pure production, do you think Rodney Hood and Seth – Basically, every the whole next man up crew. What of CJ's production do you think that they can do? Well, CJ gets you what twenty one a night. Yeah, I honestly think we're going to see sixteen points per game from Rodney Hood, and then Seth will get the other eight or whatever. I think Seth will. I think Seth is going to stay the same and. By that, I mean he's going to have his nights where he's aggressive and, he, and he's knocking down shots. He's hitting threes and he's hitting that that midi. But there's going to be other nights where he just can't get his shot off or can't hit for whatever reason. So I think you're still going to see some variance out of Seth. I really believe Rodney Hood, if he gets the start, and that's who exactly I would start if I were Terry Stotts, I think he's going to rise to the occasion. He's been to an NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. He started for a Western Conference playoff team before. Uh this guy can score on his own. He can score off of the catch and shoot. He is he is a, a pure bucket getter. Not at the level of CJ McCollum, but I would also say that hopefully the initial shock of losing McCollum wears off on the team. The Blazers, and we discussed this on last week's podcast, CJ has been very feast or famine. Mm. We saw him against the Clippers single-handedly win us that game in the fourth quarter. I mean, he had he had 35 on on 21 shots, you know, six of 11 from downtown. He, I think, he missed like one or two shots all second half. Like the the dude put on one of the best displays of offensive basketball I've ever seen. I mean, it was just unreal. 
but he has also shot us out of games before too. I think when you go Hood Curry, you're more in the middle. Like mm. you're just gonna get hopefully, you know, that twenty points on you know hopefully hovering around fifty percent shooting. You're not gonna. I don't think we're gonna see many of those Rodney Hood outbursts. But I don't think we're going to get those, you know, three of 15 nights either. And that's not saying I, I'm glad CJ's hurt. That is the complete opposite. I wish he was healthy because, you know, we're going to need those outbursts. And he has been trending upwards lately. But I think we might see a little bit more ball movement. I think defensively we will be stronger in that yeah, the if Rodney gets gets the gets the nod. Um, so I think there is ways for Portland to finish out this 14 game stretch of the regular season to make it an advantage. I mean, it, it's just next man up. Will Rodney Hood and Seth and whoever else we're able to throw out there be able to produce? I mean, it, it's a fucking shame that CJ's hurt, but these guys who are all on one-year deals have to use this as an opportunity to shine. There is no, like, hoping. This is where you have to execute and produce at a high level. And I mean, yo, every person's job is on the line. You don't want to, you want to go out on the court and deliver all you can do. Every GM is going to be watching the playoffs. Fact. So if you want to get a job with a good team, you're going to have to show out in these circumstances, man. And the games leading up to it all matter a lot to the team and you as an individual to make money for yourself and your family. So I, I really do hope these guys. Take advantage of this of this sad situation. Do you think that CJ's age and height will make the recovery time long uh, shorter? Because KG was old and long as fuck. That is, you know, CJ is in peak peak athletic. Yeah, shape. he's like twenty five. Yeah, he he takes care of his body. He doesn't rely on his athleticism outside of his rookie year and his senior year at Lehigh. You know, knock on wood. I mean, he he's been relatively injury free, so that's what gives me gives me hope. What what worries me again is if we rush him back. I don't want to rush him back for the sake of of winning a series. We know we're not winning the championship this year. Now, if Kevin Durant leaves the Warriors, I think that opens up everything in the Western Conference. Let's let's keep our eyes on on the prize. Like we're going to have three major expiring contracts. We still have our draft pick. There's things we can do. Let, mm-hmm. Let's not throw it all away to eventually lose to the Warriors, whether that's in the second round or the conference. Like it, it, it doesn't matter this year. But. Can Neil O'Shea, Terry Stotts risk that? I Is, think if they, there... I think if they are decent human beings, they and I, I think they are genuinely, they're going to put CJ's livelihood ahead of the team's. So question their decision. But their making. own jobs. Question their decision making all you want. They are not the type of people, in my opinion, to put a player at risk to save their own jobs. There is absolutely no way. I, I would take that to the bank. I would believe you, but you know the, the NBA players are going to lie. They're going to do whatever they can do to play. So, well, you I, can't blame it on the coach or GM if the NBA player is going to lie. True, but uh, I it, it's I I also don't 
I would much rather have CJ be healthy and lose in the playoffs. But we're talking about people that are desperate. And in desperate times, people their judgments might be skewed to them more than the team or you know a certain player's uh, career. And I remember like uh, Quincy Pondexter. You know, every time there uh, uh, someone from the Pelicans medical staff went up to him to check his knee, he ran away. So <laughs> there are circumstances where people just say. Fuck it, I'm playing. I need to play. But I think CJ is the type of guy that realizes that there's long term effects to his decisions. CJ smart. It was the Clippers, the Pelicans, and the Spurs. Was there anything in those three games that stood stood out to you besides the injury against San Antonio? Obviously, you take the two and one. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I predicted. I mean, you take two and one. 125-104 over the Clippers, which were on a roll. They had beat down the Celtics the night before. Uh, it was sloppy, but the Blazers eventually stopped, you know, pedaling around with the Pelicans and, and defeated them by double figures, 122 to 110. And then we all knew the Spurs game was going to be tough. They had won, you know, seven straight going in there, nine straight at home. Um, Portland eventually loses 108-103. I think a couple foul calls at the end put the nail in the coffin. Mm. Uh, you look at Mo Harkless fouling Bertans off ball, which I don't think was a foul, which gave them a, a free basket. Uh, Layman on the three to Bertans that you can't call that late in the game. Um, not the reason we lost, but did not help. And so I think that that's a winnable game. So I would say you take that two and one road trip and you run, However, this has kind of been a, a reoccurring theme, I think, for the Blazers is not that they're losing. It, it's how how they are losing. And they're going to want to have some of these games back. I mean, we, we look at the Blazers over their last 10 road games, 7-3. and three. That is an incredible mark. But they've all been gut-wrenching in their own way. Mm. You look at Toronto losing on that, that last second bucket. There's no excuse to give up a career high to Mike Conley and lose to the Grizzlies. And then you look at the Spurs, Aldridge and DeRozan. Aldridge himself only had 12. DeRozan and Aldridge combined were, went for 33. You tell me that ahead of time, that needs to be a W. Mm. And so when we're being critical of this team, it, it's not that they didn't do a, a good enough job. Obviously, we've discussed you know the two-in-one trip. But the elite teams find a way to make those three and zero road trips or six and one on on the road, and so that's that's where when you look at how tightly bunched three, four, and five are, you're gonna look back if you don't get the seed you want and be like, man, I really wish we could have replayed that game. So that's what stood out to me was just keep letting them slip away, and I guess in a way it's a positive that we're not getting blown out because you definitely don't want to get blown out. Um, but again, Portland's going to need to find a way to, to get these games because, you know, obviously the standings are going to be just as tight as, as they were last year. And the other thing that, that stood out to me, I, what scares me more than CJ's injury or maybe even not even having CJ for the playoffs is our forward combination of Maurice Harkless and Alfred Camino. I am just not comfortable with them out there in long stretches. I, I don't love them in the finishing five. 
Um, Al Farouk Aminu is struggling mightily at, at the moment. 4-14 on this road trip. He did not connect from distance. Teams are going to beg him. They are going to leave him so wide open for three in the postseason. And it uh, would it would be a it would do his team a disjustice if he didn't shoot the wide open three. So we're playing into the opposing team's hands. And he can't put the ball on the floor. He can't shoot the mid range. Uh, he can't he can't dribble off on a fast break. And the more he continues to play, it's just the more frustrating I, I get because if he's not connecting on threes, you know he he's just not providing us with that he's not providing us with, with enough, you know, it, it's, it sucks going into games and looking at the starters and be like, we're losing that matchup. We're losing that matchup. And it's always, always at the four. You're t- you forgot to mention like Julius Randall ate Alfred Camino's lunch, dinner, breakfast the next morning. I mean, he got 21 and a quarter and Aldridge, Aldridge went four or five on Aminu and they finally got, got him off of him. I felt sorry for him because Julius is a brick shit house. Like he is a big boy and he was just bully balling him. When your defensive specialist is getting ate up like that, it it isn't a good look. Zach Collins did a very good job and he put in the effort. But any time that Al Farouk was on there against Julius Randall, I thought we were giving up two in the paint every single second. I think the thing we got to look at, look out for, uh, the small forward power forward production is pretty awful. But the way we defend pick and rolls in the last, like, since Memphis, I would say, has been atrociously bad. Like, Mike Conley's had a career high, and Julius Randle's had a career high. And a lot of the points Julius scored were, it was bully ball post ups. But Alfred Payton did get 10 assists off pick and rolls against us. There, like that, that is going to be what we need to key on in the playoffs when things slow down and pick and roll becomes heavier and heavier in usage. I was actually so you you mentioned what stood out. I think Zach Collins had one of his his better nights against the Pelicans. Yeah, definitely. He was active as fuck. Twelve points, four blocks, eight rebounds, two assists. He needs to quit shooting the three. Like, drives me crazy every time I see him put up a three. Unless he's wide open, like, quit shooting the three. Outside of that, though, he's starting to get a little bit of, of his swagger back, and we're going to need him on the defensive end. I would, I want to see more Nurk Collins mm-hmm. at the four and five, because right now we are matched up with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I am all for Zach Collins going up against Jeremy Grant. Yeah. That that matchup that does not does not scare me or deter me at all, and then you're able to really just shadow Paul George with either Harkless or or Aminu. Um, but I think that's what the Blazers need to do. They need to. I just am not sold and haven't been for quite some time on Aminu and Harkless as the three four. I know Terry Stotts is not going to change that up, but if if we lose um, in the playoffs early. That's that, that that's going to be the X factor right there. Julius Randle has provided the players of this team with so much confidence because Jake Lehman uh, started his run against Julius Randle. Zach Collins, I think, saw that uh, Alfred was getting bullied, and 
I'm pretty happy with how much Zach Collins has went into the weight room because a year ago he wasn't able to handle Jameer Nelson in the post. Now he's getting he's going against, you know, one of the better post players in the league. And he might have had four blocks, but he changed dozens of of shots. Like they had to go around him to get those points. So I think this is the time where we start to see Zach Collins rise for the playoffs because he has that bit of confidence from seeing Julius Randle absolutely destroying shit. And then he comes in and slows him down because he didn't score at all in the second quarter when he was on him. Like Zach, Zach was a big key to that game. Absolutely. And I think, and this is why I say the rotation tightening up might benefit the team as a whole. Zach has his has his best game probably since since Golden State mm-hmm, right before the All Star break, and yet he doesn't crack the rotation on the second night of a back to back against a team I thought he matches up pretty well against. So I would I have feel liked, like Zach could have defended Lamarcus too. Yeah, I would have. I mean, if you're going to look to for somebody, at the very least, he has six fouls. Like, okay, we don't want to put Nurk on him right away. Because we want to keep the big guy, you know, protected from from foul trouble. That's fine. I just, you know, we we know Lamarcus eats up Chief. To me, that was silly. But Terry's not going to change the rotation. He's not going to change the starting five. Um, it is what it is. But you have obvi- have obviously heard our concerns. And uh, to me, this this team is a just the, we just need an upgrade at the three and the four. I think Jake can be that three upgrade. Is is Zach the four? I I don't know, but it, it can't be Chief and Mo. Just it just can't. I would I would love to be absolutely wrong and eat crow if they just turn shit up in the postseason. But h- how many postseason games? Has it, you know, the, the sample size is big enough for this opinion to have have legs. So, so you know, what is it, what is it going to be? I kind of gave you homework, and you you were texting me about how you were you weren't happy with a three four, and I gave you homework. What would be the perfect archetype for Nurk? And um, the four next to Nurk, the four next to Nurk, and it has to. It has to be benefiting Nurk. Nurk can't benefit the, the 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 power forward. So in your mind, let's let's pick any NBA player first, and then let's go realistic because we are the Portland Trailblazers and don't get elite elite talent in free agency. So who would be your dream power forward to match with Nurk, where Nurk is the star, not the power forward? Historically, I did a little bit of research just internally i think rasheed wallace is the perfect compliment because rasheed can play the four or the five he's quick enough to guard all four he can guard some threes he has the outside touch to keep the spacing but he can also go high low with nurk you know rasheed's Mm. flourished at the five when brian grant was at the four and he flourished when Sabonis was at the five and he was at the four. So he's interchangeable. He's also a lockdown defender and he is not selfish. So he's not going to take shots away from everybody. If you want to look at maybe more of a modern day twist, but still look historically, 
Sean Marion was a Ooh, three the Matrix. back in the day. Mm-hmm. He could play the four. Um, he, his three-point shot was ugly as sin, but it was respectable. And he is someone that can slash, and we all know Nurk loves to pass the basketball. He is someone that can defend multiple positions. So you're looking for those two-way players and ability to switch. You know, I think the Matrix would have been a fantastic addition to go to go with Nurk. What about current day? Whew. I mean, if we're looking at young guns, obviously we've gushed over Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, okay. I think that's someone that they could really nurture and grow because he, to me, looks like a young Garnett, looks like a young Rasheed Wallace. I mean, he's got all the intangibles. That's why for the longest time, I thought he was the best player out of the draft. I still think he's top three. Um, Trey Young and Luca have been just unreal mm. this entire season, but maybe more of a, of a vet. That that's the one I had the most trouble honestly honestly looking looking for. Like who would be the best like non rookie for to to play with Nurk? And I, I thought and I racked my brain, but. I mean, I just don't think there's a modern-day Rasheed Wallace in this NBA. I was thinking Spicy P, Pascal Siakam would be my number that's one. A, that's yeah. a really good one. Yeah. I just haven't seen him play enough. Like, Toronto's not on the national scene, um, but no, he he would be a really nice nice fit. Yeah, because he's the type of guy that if you need someone to dribble it up and play point guard, he can do it. If you need someone to grab rebounds, he could do it. Those two would be a perfect pairing in the post. We've always talked about, like, Dame, what's his perfect pairing, and we've talked about it a lot, but Nurk never gets love, and he's, you know, a pillar of the team and a building block for the team. So, you know, we but we are the Portland Trailblazers and don't really get, you know, Pascal Siakam or Jaron Jackson the second because both teams really, really want to keep this guy. So what is your realistic power forward to put next to uh Nurkic of the caliber of Nico Miritich damn it you said his name <laughs> I think I think Nico would have been a really nice pairing I mean like he was obviously gettable two years in a row um the way that he spreads the floor and then there's o- I've only really seen it with three uh stretch bigs is when they, they run around the perimeter really well but will also crash and get rebounds. I think Nico Meritich, prime Ryan Anderson would have been a really good pairing with, uh, with Yusuf. What about Dirk? Is he not good enough defensively? I mean, he's a beast offensively. Well, I wasn't thinking that we could get Nurk. I mean, uh, Dirk, excuse me. I was thinking like, you know, in the dream world. Okay. Dirk would be pretty, pretty awesome. It would put a little bit of pressure on Nurk to cover for him. And since, you know, we have CJ and, you know, Nurk has to cover a lot defensively, man. So, I'd, I'd, I mean, if we're going all time, Dirk would be up there, man. Maybe Tim Duncan, just go Twin Towers and Beast People. I mean, Tim Duncan's probably the best power forward ever. So, I guess I'm not trying that hard on, you know, finding someone creative, am I? I thought I did my work with Spicy P. You did, you did, you did. I mean, it, it looks like the eight teams out west are set. Yeah. The top two seeds are set, Golden State and Denver, however they want to flip-flop. Uh, I don't see the Clippers 
being able to catch us, we do have the tiebreaker over them. So the one thing, if, if you're Portland, that, that does worry you is at the moment, they would only have the tiebreaker over the Houston Rockets or the Los Angeles Clippers. That is it. Our conference record and division record is really holding us back mm. against Utah and San Antonio and Golden State. And even if we did win the next two against Denver, it would hold us back there as well. So essentially, we only have two of the tiebreakers against the the remaining seven playoff teams out West. So we cannot end in a tie or count on that moving forward. If CJ was out, do you, do you think we could win a playoff series against any of the teams that are in the playoffs? Maybe the Clippers, but like the I mean, people, I, I, I still think we could beat San Antonio. I'm I'm not sold on them. I know they play incredibly well at home, but again, that that was a winnable game. I think if Dame turns it up a bit more in the first half, obviously he doesn't know CJ's going to go down. Mm-hmm. But if you if you had full Dame, um, I would if take you had playoff Dame, him. yeah. Um, the Jazz don't scare me at all right now. Um, Denver doesn't either. Uh, Houston and OKC would be very tough outs because you're going to need offense to beat those teams. Those two now, Houston now does scare me without that secondary, you know, ball handler shooter. If CJ was out, we're not saying that, but if it was, that would scare me. OKC scares me even with CJ. That's a very good basketball team that would be playing in the first round. That's but like every, a that's like a second keeps, round piece. Everyone keeps saying that OKC is the worst matchup. Yes, I get it, but I don't. I don't see that. Well, they also yes. people said New Orleans Pelicans were the best possible matchup last year, and I definitively said no. Nope, you, I was not one of those people. <laughs> I thought that would be a tough series. To me, the Thunder are slumping right now, four and six out of their last ten. They just got destroyed at home against the Warriors without Kevin Durant. Paul George is, you know, if, if the Lakers weren't such... It's a, either a major regression right now, or he's hurt. Yeah, and I, I'm leaning towards the latter, because if the Lakers hadn't been such trash, LeBron's probably creeping back into that first-team All-NBA discussion where Paul George had that on block. Paul George has not been the same Paul George since he came back from that shoulder, mm-hmm. and that them a significantly more beatable basketball team every game we played with the thunder could have gone either way and two of the games we played against them you could say they were schedule losses one was on the second night of a back-to-back and the other was a home game after we had played seven straight on the road no excuses but neither of those games really allowed portland the a better opportunity to win in the playoffs. You know who you're going to play. You get a day or two off in between games. I I think that is a winnable series. I think it's a tough series though. Tough. I mean, every series in the West, I think is going to be tough unless you're playing the Clippers. I honestly, I think every series could go seven games, but you have to be ready for that. If you're Portland, I just thought of a question. Shoot. OKC versus Portland. Do we? I think we have the coaching edge. You would think so. I we both said 
Billy Donovan's not a good coach. We both said Terry over Alvin last year, too. You, the, the staff. You did mention Urban. And, and Yes, you mentioned staff. But I was completely caught off guard. Uncle Alvin just destroyed Terry's thoughts. Terry's going to have to win me a series before I, I start to have have some faith in him winning, winning a matchup. Damn. So Rockets, Jazz... And then OKC would be the most likely matchups, right? I mean, I, I think you have to throw the Spurs in there too. The Spurs right now are okay. Six well, then the, it's still this question. Still, we are, we would have the worst coaching staff out of the four, right? You can't you, you, pop. You even the most hardened Terry fan would say pops better. I mean, shit. The Rockets coach just got to the finals last year, uh, Western Conference. Donovan has a oh shit. I don't even know who their staff is because Monty and uh, shit. I don't know. I could argue that the OKC OKC staff is worse, but man, you you did mention you know Uncle Alvin out coaching him, so that's tough, man. I think Terry Sats is good. He's not great. Yeah, and when you're going I in the playoffs. I think he's a pretty dang good regular season coach. His faults, in my opinion, are lack of adjustments. We did not see any in the New Orleans series, and we certainly don't see them in-game. That needs to change if the Blazers are going to advance. I think that, more than anything, will determine. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, if if our guys just can't throw it off, throw it into the ocean, there's nothing a coach can do there if we're mm-hmm. getting quality looks. But last year, I, I saw Alvin was one to two steps ahead every step of the way. That cannot happen. One thing I would love with this regime or the next regime, I don't really care. But I would love to know the roles of each assistant coach. Because with most teams, you know. You know Darren Urban's the defensive guy. You know... Ron Adams is the defensive guy. I would love to to have someone... If we're keeping Terry, I would love to have a Ron Adams type of guy leading that defense. Because I think Terry can... He can generate open shots for his team. I I would love for the defense to go to a guy that can defend... that, That knows defense. And there's a lot of guys out there that can. So I would love... You know, we've talked about knowing roles. I would love to know the roles of all of our coaches. Oh, gee, man. 82 games and playoffs is a lot of work for those, like, five guys. I would love it if we could hire some more people on that bench. I mean, it's it's getting close, man. We got to think about adjustments and, you know, like, how are we going to defend the pick and roll if it's Harden and Clint Capella or how are we stopping the two headed monster of George and Russell Westbrook and have plan A through Z covered on what we are going to try to stop the the opposing team from doing what they're best at because you know that Greg Popovich if he was matched up against us is going to do the same exact thing how are we going to stop Damian Lillard and how are we going to stop Yusuf Nurkic what is your dream Seed and opponent for the first round. Ooh, man, that's tough. 
I personally don't want to see OKC. I, I might go with the underdog thing and be five and go against Houston. Still. For me, three seed against the Spurs. Oh, I, Jesus. That would be great. <laughs> I mean, it's realistic. The Spurs okay, are six. I'm changing my mind six to right that. now. I'm changing my mind to that because I was okay. I was just thinking of like, fuck it, Clippers go on a humongous run and we play them in the first round. That's my that's my dream. There's a possibility of us playing the Clippers too. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I was just in my head of Houston, the Rockets, the Jazz. No, yeah, yeah. dream scenario. I, you know, as a Blazers fan, you can't think of elaborate, you know, best of scenarios. That's kind of what I'm learning. So I wasn't thinking the Clippers or the Spurs. It's it's hard to look right now as well because you have the Spurs all of a sudden one game behind the Thunder for fifth, and then Portland could rise up to three. You then you have a three six Portland OKC matchup. So it's so fluid that you you can't just say oh it's going to be us in the 4 or 5 or us in the 3 6 and we're playing this team or that team it could i mean it's going to go down to the wire and it's going to shift on a day by day basis i would say if i am portland i am doing everything i can to get to the 3 seed because if we're looking long term we're looking ahead you would rather play denver in the second round than the golden state warriors yeah but even then but even then the Nuggets are one game behind the Warriors, two in the loss column. So that's a long shot, but we've seen, I mean, the Warriors lost to the Suns. We, 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 we have seen Golden State not give a fuck before and Denver could, could, could catch them. So to say we're right where we want to be, no, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Just win basketball games. Like we want to be in the best position possible going into the postseason. We do not want to slump like we did heading into the playoffs last year. And I think that's a, a great segue into the upcoming slate of games. Portland will have a four-game homestand. We will preview three of them right after this break from our... You by Vinyl Me, please. Join the Record of the Month Club at www.joinvmp.com forward slash Holy Backboard. You are listening to the Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net Networks. For more on your Trailblazers, Go to iTunes, search The Holy Backboard, and subscribe today. All right, everybody. Welcome back to The Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here, ready to break down the next three home games for your Trailblazers. Sage, the Blazers get the Indiana Pacers tomorrow night on ESPN 730 tip. They look to even the season series on Wednesday against Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. And then Saturday, it's hard to believe, but this is the first time we are seeing Blake Griffin and the Detroit Pistons, uh, a team that has gave us problems over the last few years, even though they haven't been playoff bound. So I think Portland will be favored to win all three of those games. But as we've seen with this team at home, they're always going to stub their toe here or there. I don't think they can afford to. Let's let's. Start with this Indiana game. It's a much different team than we saw early in October when the Blazers went to Indiana and won handily 103-93. The Pacers are in a fight for their lives right now. They are 44-26, a game behind the 76ers for the third seed. Everyone wants that third seed because that means you're probably playing the Pistons rather than the Boston Celtics. Uh, 
The Pacers do not have Victor Oladipo, but after the Mavericks traded Wesley Matthews to New York, New York bought him out. And lo and behold, Wesley was reunited with former Trailblazer head coach Nate McMillan. And he did his former team a huge favor by putting in that game-winning putback against the Oklahoma City Thunder just a few short days ago. Sage, this is a classic Nate McMillan team. They are going to grind you. They are going to play defense. They are not going to make mistakes. Portland better be ready to play this game. It is not a game I would love to see coming off of a three-game, six-day road trip. I will tell you that much. So Wesley Matthews is a starter for this team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tyreek has been absolutely trash this year. Okay. Sorry, I had to look at the game flows of that team. Uh, So, yo. Darren, Wesley, Bojan, Thad Young, and Miles Turner with Demonis and Corey Joe coming off the bench. That's a damn good seven-man rotation. And they fight. They fight very, very hard. This, this team reminds me of the Clippers out east. Yeah. They shouldn't be as good as they are, but they play with an edge, and they're not going to get out-hustled. They may get out-talented, but they will not get out-scrapped, out-worked. I, th- I mean, the biggest obvious thing I see is Damian Lillard versus Darren Collison. This isn't Hornets Darren Collison. This is old man Darren Collison, second stint with the Pacers, who doesn't care about defense. I think that is our, that, that is the matchup to exploit. Their bigs are pretty damn nasty with Miles Turner, Thad Young, Domanis, and then, uh, shit, Kyle O'Quinn as the fourth big. That, that can match up with us. So we have to be able to defend, you know, three different type of bigs. But yeah, I mean that that Dame versus Darren is just so blatant that we have to abuse it and abuse it and abuse it. It's going to be a big da- uh, Damian Lillard game for me. Yeah, Dame needs to 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 show out against Indiana. I think what will ultimately determine the game will be the starting forwards. You said Thad Young and Bogdanovich versus Harkless and Aminu. Oof. That that is one Portland has to at least you know neutralize because I think Indiana has a significant advantage there and Thad Young always plays well against Portland back when he was uh, with a with the 76ers, 76ers. Um, he has always been that big four that would just crash the glass hit the threes and just do all of the dirty work and he he's just been a thorn in our side and so I don't love that matchup for Aminu because he could bully him. I, so I respect we, the hell out of Thad Young's game. So that that's going to be the game changer to me. I think Portland needs uh, a big. I think Portland gets a good night from Zach Collins. He didn't play against the Spurs. He's the 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 rotation spot opened up. So you got Zach Collins on defense. I really like Rodney Hood to do some damage on offense. Um, Wesley Matthews is not the defender that he once was. I would love to see Rodney run around some screens, um, try to create some offense. If Indiana is going to key in on Dame, it is going to be very key for the Blazers role players and other shooters on the floor to knock down open shots. Portland needs to shoot at least 40% from downtown. Uh, Indiana is going to want to grind this game out. And I know the Blazers score the most half court points in the game. I'd love to see them force some turnovers, get some easy buckets, get that crowd involved because 
this is a, a, a must. I mean, they're all must wins if, if you're a, a Blazer fan. And Indiana is a very good road team. They are 500 on the road, 17 and 17. So this is not a guarantee. They nearly beat Denver, who has the best home record in the entire NBA. So if, if you have any thoughts that the Blazers are going to waltz in there and, and get an easy dub, absolutely not. I think it's going to be tough. But you mentioned Dame and Collison. Dame's going to, I think, start to elevate his play. I don't want him to burden too much on his shoulders with CJ out, but look for Dame to be aggressive early and often, maybe even work that pick and roll with Nurk. Be a bonus if we could get Miles Turner into some early foul trouble because I really think Nurk has an advantage down low. Blazers by like four or five. Close game. I looked up the stats because I've referenced this a few times. Bojan Bogdanovic's stat line since April, oh no, since February 2nd, is 22 points a game, three assists, four rebounds in 33 minutes. So th- he stepped his game up tremendously since Victor Oladipo's gone. If we get Miles Turner into foul trouble, do you think they would put Kylo Quinn in to match up with uh, our big-ass centers, or do you think they would put in uh Domanis for extra run if we get him into trouble because in theory Domanis and Kylo Quinn could play together <sighs> Kylo Quinn's a beefy beefy man he, like, is he isn't Nurk. gonna get pushed around by Nurk's like like Nurk would have to be you know finesse instead of power that might not be the I think you have to put O'Quinn in to try and neutralize Nurkic. Yeah. If it's Cantor, you may take your chances with Sabonis. Sabonis is quicker. He may get the better end. I mean, I think that's going to be an offensive, offensively-sided uh, matchup. It's going to be who's going to make shots because yeah, whoever, whoever both players make... are going to give him up. <laughs> exactly. The pick and rolls will be so fucking frequent if Kyle O'Quinn and Cantor are matching each other. This is a tough one, man. And I think we take the L. This is a tough team, and they're—I mean, we're both. Both teams are fighting for something. I'm just gonna—I—I I think the injury of CJ is gonna be kind of like a a thing going around the arena. I think the Pacers take this one. That would be a devastating loss. I think the Blazer. If the Blazers don't get all four of these home games, they might. Just give up all hope for home court advantage. I know there's 14 games left, but there's take these four home games away. Now, all of a sudden, your next 10 games, seven are on the road. Mm -hmm. Three are at home. You don't win these four and hold your hold serve. I'm just saying it's going to be a tough ass game, man. I got the Blazers. Up next, Wednesday against the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas is 2-1 and one on the season against the Trailblazers, yet they are just 6-28 and 28 away from Big D. Again, this, this needs to be a game like Phoenix where Portland just puts it on them early and often. Dallas has, has no... Did you hear the rumor that Luka has that boxer's fracture in his hand? No, I didn't. Where did that come from? So apparently after a game, I don't remember which one, he was so mad because he had like 15, he went one for one for like 15, 
missed 10 free throws and had oh, 10 yeah. turnovers, got pissed off and hit something, and like he felt something wrong in his hand. And pe- there was a rumor that it's like the boxer's fracture in his right hand. Is he still playing? Yeah. He's had the questionable tag every game for like a long time. But yeah, there was a rumor that he had the boxer's fracture. I mean that he 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 is the best player on the team, does everything for this team. Oh, he did not play on Saturday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. I mean if he doesn't play this we have to like Anthony Simons is closing the game. I mean I think Tim Hardaway Jr. has a big ass usage rate because he's a secondary ball handler and yada yada yada. But if Luke is gone, we have to beat the absolute shit out of this team. This game would worry me if it was in Dallas because the Blazers don't know how to beat crappy teams on the road or they like to to play around with it. Uh, with it being in Portland, um, Dame's not going to let us lose. I think Nurk has a massive night. I think Nurk and Cantor just eat up the, their yeah, bigs. Nurk's been playing like 21 minutes a game. Yeah. I think we'll. I think I think we got this one. Blazers big. If our bigs don't destroy Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell, and Dirk Nowitzki, I have some real worries for them when they go against a playoff team in playoff atmosphere. And then to me, not the Pacers, the Detroit Pistons on Saturday night is the game that worries me the most. What if I told you Blake Griffin has played his worst basketball? Of the year this last few weeks. It's not affecting their overall performance because they're seven and three in their last 10. They've won two straight and they found themselves cemented in the sixth seed. Andre Drummond's absolutely killed it since Blake's been hurt, but play, or not played well. Don't want to say he's injured. The but, good uh, news is they're, they're only 13 and 20 away from Detroit. Have you watched this team play much? No, they've never been on. T- I don't get. You know, NBA TV or have league passed, and they've never once been on, you know, ABC or NBC or whatever. <laughs> Blake TNT Griffin stuff. basically does it all for this team. Like, yeah, I mean, Blake yeah. has has reinvented his game. Like, yeah. he's handling the basketball, shooting threes. Like, he looks. I mean, there's a reason he was an All Star for the first time in what three or four mm. seasons. He's played fantastic. Andre during Blake's slump has played fantastic. Um. Their guards suck. Reggie Jackson will never have a, you know, like he might, he might get 10 assists and five points or He's 19 had big points. nights against us before, before that. I remember the pick and roll gate. Yeah. Yep. The pick, that is, that is the, the pick and, can the Blazers defend a Detroit pick and roll? Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're going to run roll, pick and roll with Reggie Jackson. Bruce Brown gets so many minutes for this team. <laughs> But what is Portland going to do? Are we really going to see if Alfred Camino can guard Blake Griffin? I, did he do that well when he was on the Clippers? I don't remember. I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think it might be a Zach Collins day. Because he has the beef to, you know, bang with him. And then, of course, he has the speed. So I think it might be a Zach Collins game as our third big. I mean, it, it's can we stop the pick and roll? And is Dame just going to toast Reggie Jackson? See, I think Dame can toast Reggie Jackson. What Portland needs to have happen, this game reeks of the Miami Heat. 
Nurk does not play well against some centers, namely Hassan Whiteside. But Hassan's like athletically freaky, and Drummond's just powerful. But what I'm saying is Drummond goes after every rebound. Mm -hmm. He wants those boards just like Whiteside. Nurk needs to bring the muscle. He needs to bring the brute force. If we give up multiple opportunities on the defensive glass and Drummond is owning the backboard, we're not going to win this game just like we did against Miami. Dame or CJ can go off for how many points they want. It's got, This game is going to be one in the paint. Nurkic needs to stay on the floor, and he needs to not get his shot sent back to him like he did against Whiteside. He was completely – whenever Nurk has a poor game, we rarely win. Like, he is that important to our success. The matchup that will determine this game is Yusuf Nurkic versus Andre Drummond. Do you think Andre Drummond is the type of guy, athletically, that would get in Nurk's ass the way Hassan Whiteside does? He's athletic enough. Absolutely, but he's not like... I think Hassan's like one of those insane athletes that have long arms that could frustrate Nurk. I think Drummond and him are just going to have a wrestling match in the key for 36 minutes. I mean, this this game worries me like no other. Do you think and we're going to pull it out? That, and the fact that we have to play them again in a week in Detroit, oof, that's the, I, I think the Blazers win just because it's at home. But I don't feel good about that. I'm just making this prediction out of being a homer. That That is all it is. I think I, Damian has a Damian Lillard Superman week and destroys every team that he plays against because all of them don't really give a fuck about playing defense on the point guard. And you also have to know, like, this isn't the Detroit Pistons we've seen in, with Stan Van Gundy. Like, no. Wayne Casey, coach of the year, who, by the way, I think he either swept or won the season series against the Toronto Raptors. Um, he can coach. Oh, yeah, he can coach his ass off. So this is a team that no one predicted would really make the playoffs, and they are going to make the playoffs. Um, With two big men. I know. It just – it's – the Memphis Grizzlies, when they were gritting and grinding, gave us problems. We're a smaller team with a meaning with the four. It's it's not my preferred matchup, Sage. Oh, no. I, I tell you, I am not – I am not feeling good about this, but – we have Dame. I think Dame may have to go God mode for us to get this. We will. He will. 3-0. Bless up. Thank you all for listening to The Holding Backboard. This might be one of our shortest shows by a long, long, long margin. It was an um, hour long. <laughs> I know. We can, we, we get to 120, buddy. I know. <laughs> so uh, thank you all for listening. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the Holy Backboard, and if you fuck with us, like and five stars and sub and uh, to the Holy Backboard, and we'll be, we will be back next week. Hopefully talking about a 3-0 no week. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!